Hi, welcome to the Eric. Whoa, that's hot. That's hot. <laughs> Jason, we don't do any editing on this podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready. You've lived a life of no editing as a uh, <laughs> as a pro athlete. What's that like? Uh, it's fun uh, because you're going to learn from your mistakes. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of things that you felt that you worked hard enough to achieve. And, uh, you know, dreams come true. Are you looking at my notes on the screen? Can you see my I, screen? I can't see your notes. Yeah, I don't want you cheating. I can't, I can't I see it. I can't uh, see you, it. You probably know by now, if you're listening to the podcast, that we have a all-star on the podcast. 10-time all-star. 10. Got lucky. 10. Uh, and um, you're also the first NBA player on the podcast here. Oh, I'm honored. You're, I'm honored. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you're, you're a huge golfer. I try. You've been playing golf for a better part of your life. I have. I have, and, and I haven't got any better. <laughs> but is that, like, when you say that, what does that mean? Like, are you, because I heard you say it before, and you were like, you know, I'm around a seven, and, you know, but, but, but are you just super critical because you're a pro athlete, or? Yeah, you're competitive, and, uh, you know, when you watch the weekend or during the week of the pros and, and the way they, you know, they make it look so easy, and it's not game of golf changes for me every swing. Uh, but just being competitive in the course is one every time so far, and uh, I'm trying to beat the course, and it's just too hard. Your best is still a 75? 75. 75. So what happens on 16, 17, 18 when you're, I don't know where you're at. Like, like can you describe those rounds? Because I'm my best is 74, and I am not a pro athlete. So, so, so you just, you, you know, the last three holes, you're just like try to keep it in play. You, you want to pull the trigger and you, the guys around you are, are hopefully helping you because they know that you're, you're playing pretty good and they want to see you, you know, finish on a high note and not ruin around by hitting it in the water or, or, or you know, having a double bogey. So uh, just pulling the trigger, trying to, you know, get those hands right back where they started and finish the swing. And uh, as easy as that sounds, it's almost the hardest thing to do, especially when you know that you're, you're in closing on one of your best rounds. We were talking a lot about, you know, as we always do, before we interview anybody, we all kind of discuss it as a team here, and we're all kind of talking about, you know, the interesting things to discuss with you, and we all agreed without a doubt. <laughs> the most interesting thing is you've spent your life in a reactionary sport. Yep. Right? You're just in there, and, and you've, uh, you've, you know, been at the front of a lot of records of, you know, assists and um, steals, and so that's all stuff that's happening right then and there. How, so I guess first I want to focus on in basketball, what are you, what are you looking at? Um, a lot of times it's just colors. You know, um, for me, um, the colors, um, this could sound funny, just the uniforms, just uh, understanding uh, tendencies, watching habits of my teammates or the opponent. And so it's just reacting to what I think you're going to do. And uh, that's passing the ball or, or trying to steal it. Uh, just understanding the tendencies that, you know, you might have that you you probably don't think that I'm watching and trying to just pick up on those little things. Where on earth does it, do you learn that? Uh, I don't know if you learn it. I think it just, for me as a kid, um, playing sports, uh, understanding, learning that um, you, you're a home or you're a visiting team, so there's different colors. And so what you're trying to do is find your color as as a passer you're trying to find the, that uniform, and then as you get older, you just kind of develop that that sense of using that, of knowing where your teammates are on the floor by just understanding the different colors that can help you. So wait, now you're talking jersey colors? Yes. Because I mean, so you're literally in the moment there. You're not really thinking, oh, pass it to Dirk or whoever. You're just you're just going for a color. Yeah. Well, understanding that Dirk's seven feet, so. The, the jersey, the color will be a little bit bigger. You can't miss that target. Um, but when things are moving at a fast, fast rate and you're trying to play a step or two ahead of the opponent, a lot of times you, your last glance is the color of the, of the uniform. And so just tracking your teammates that way, and that's the way I play. Um, do you, uh, before the game, was there anything you did out of the ordinary? Uh, well, as I got older, I spent a lot of time on the table trying to get the engine revved up. Um, you're talking but, like uh, muscle work and stuff? Yeah, just getting the massage, trying to get the legs uh, as warm as they can. Uh, that was pretty <laughs> much my warm up was, uh, you know, but I, I think that not the weirdest, but just trying to find, uh, the shot. Um, it's kind of like golf. You, you feel like in the warm up, you're making everything that you're going to take that onto the course. And sometimes it doesn't work. 
Uh, but just the routine of uh, of having uh, over a, a 20 year career is something that I, I tried to, you know, lay my hat on and, and, you know, hopefully had success with that. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, in golf, right, you're what are you what are you looking at in golf? Well, a, a lot of it is all green, so <laughs> <laughs> not in Arizona. All no, the, no, that's you got some desert. Um, but I think for golf, it's you know the tempo. Um, you know, being in that reaction sport, everything is happening so fast, and almost in golf, it's the opposite. You're trying to slow everything down. You're trying to picture that shot, and you're trying to execute and, and pull that shot off. A lot of uh, your contemporaries in the NBA didn't grow up playing golf as early as you did. Is that true? Uh, that was, yeah, it wasn't a popular sport, you know, back then. Um, but I was, you know, introduced to it in high school and, uh, our basketball coach was also the golf coach. And so that's, and a good friend of mine, Chris Stone was on the basketball team and the golf team as one of the top players in the state. So that's how I was introduced and I got hooked from day one. Were you, uh, made fun of? No, I was, you know, it wasn't made fun of. I didn't really talk about to a lot of people that <laughs> I was going to, I was going to play golf. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I got to go study. Uh, I was, uh, no, I was like, Hey, I'm gonna go play basketball, but I want to go hit this golf ball because it's, it seems like it, it, look, it doesn't move. It's not like baseball where you got to try to guess is it a curveball, fastball inside, outside this, you know, the ball's sitting right there waiting for you to make contact. And can you be consistent with making that contact? Uh, I, you know, I just, there's gotta be so many interesting moments with, with your lifetime of learning golf and basketball to some extent at the same time. Is that true? Yeah. You know, uh, I thought, you know, golf and, and basketball are very similar. Um, sometimes it's kind of like a free throw, a putt, you know, if it's an eight footer, you know, 10 footer, that, that's a free throw. Um, if you can hit one of those 20 to 25 foot putts, those long putts, that's kind of your mid range. And then if you can throw in a three point, you know, three pointer from, you know, one of those bomb putts that are long 50 footer, that's, that's your three pointer. And I didn't make a lot, I don't make a lot of three pointers. So, um, but to be consistent in that eight to 10 foot range is, uh, something as an amateur, you try to, you know, work on because that's where you can improve your, your handicap. Did you ever experiment with blowing a kiss on a short putt? No, not yet. That, I'm running out of things, and that might be next. But but I don't want to be you know delay a game or a, 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 because because the group I play with plays fast, so they don't want anything to slow them down. But over the course of your career, you kind of shifted your focus into shooting. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. How did you do that? Well, as I got older, I wanted to you know play longer, and I felt that that was something that I need to involve, you know, to get better. Um, you can always work on the fundamentals, but as I got older, uh, the game started to change for me. I was starting to be positioned in different spots that I didn't have the ball, so for me to have an impact, I felt I needed to be consistent in shooting the ball, and that's what I worked on. Uh, tell me a little about your parents. Uh, well, I grew up with both parents. Uh, my mom uh, worked at B of A for over 30-something years. Um, my dad worked for TWA for over 30-something years. They both had one job. They both supplied um, tennis shoes, transportation, um, everything I needed to be successful as a kid, teenager, and as an adult. Um, am I right? Your mom is, was she Irish? Irish, yes. From Ireland? Not from Ireland, from, from San Francisco. Uh, was, was, um, was she into golf at all? No, not not golf, but truly basketball. That was her gift. Um, she was uh, she's our our talent scout, and uh, also she's a great coach. Have you played golf in Ireland at all? I have not made it over there yet. That's one of the bucket lists. Where's the uh, Where's the craziest place you played golf? The craziest, um, in the sense of the best. Um, sure. I mean, there's there's Cyprus. Um, that's a great walk. Um, you talk about um, Pebble Beach, another great walk. As you can see, I'm a West Coast bias. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't play a lot in Jersey? I did play a lot in Jersey. And so when you talk about Pine Valley, another great place. Um, <laughs> you talk about Augusta, uh, another great place. Yeah. And then um, Baltusrol, Wingfoot, all those up back east. And then. Um, Just like, hang on a second gangster no. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like do y'all in the end i mean like we're here with your mom and your wife do you guys know how great these courses are <laughs> they don't know 
They're like, I don't know. Mom's like, I don't know. Mom's like, no, but my wife knows because she does. She's talk heard about it. All the time. Yeah. Does he talk about golf all the time? Not all the time, but a lot. A lot. I uh, yeah, I talk about golf to anyone who listens. That's so. right. <laughs> That's why you're here, Jay. <laughs> so uh, Augusta, how many times? Once. And it was incredible. It was just you know the magical walk. Um, just being there, walking it, uh, taking a couple divots, um, just, you know, incredible because those are the places that memories of the pros and all the great golfers, you know, have played there. And just, it was just, it was just magical. You know, I heard something the other day, uh, is it Dan, Dan Balzerian, um, was saying that, you know, when you get rich, you, uh, you stop caring and, 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 you know, satisfaction is relative. Right. Uh, you can't buy happiness, but you can buy experience and da 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 da. And, he, and he's just going on and on about how when he didn't have a lot of money, Lamborghinis were everything. Right. But then when you get a lot of money, Lamborghini doesn't mean anything. That's right. So, what, really, does it mean a lot for Jason Kidd to go play Augusta? Oh, poof, everything. You've had a, you've had you've is had it, more experiences than most people on earth ever will even get close to. Well, I think he's a hundred percent right. It's not about the the cars; it's about the experience of playing somewhere that the greats have played. Uh, when you talk about Baltusrol, you talk about Wingfoot, you talk about Augusta, Cypress Point, uh, Pebble Beach. You know these are what you know the greats have played and have won, and so to be able to you know be out there, not hit the same shots, but to, to be out there walking where they walked, and uh, it's just something that you always talk about. You know, one of the things that a lot of people talk about uh, in golf is like. And anyone can play there, like yeah. you're just saying. Like, you know, but in basketball, like, I can't go hit shots at the Stable Center. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't go to, uh, you know, where, wherever, like, uh, you know, uh, Fenway Park or anything right. like that. Uh, you know, do you experience that even as yourself? Like, I mean, you've been in front of, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 people, right? Yeah. Doing your thing. Then you go play golf at this arena. Do you, do you think about that at all? Well, it's, it's different, you know, when you, it, the norm for, you know, a basketball player to go, for myself to go into the Staples Center or, um, you know, Talking Stick here in Phoenix or uh, Oracle, um, you, you've done it. And so you, this is the norm is the basket's still 10 feet, the court's still the same, the colors are different on the floor, um, and you know you're on the road and that, you know, they're going to cheer against you. And your job is to try to turn them to start cheering for you. And, or even if they boo louder, that means that you're doing your job. And so um, that's how I looked at basketball anytime I played. Um, at home was to find a way to get the crowd involved and then on the road try to turn the crowd to cheer for you. Wow, so you actually think about that. You're, you're like, I need, to do, I need to do better in order to elicit more of a response. That's right. Because um, if you did... If you could achieve that, then you're doing your job, and uh, at the bot, and the bottom line is to find a way to win. Right. On what level do you consider yourself an entertainer? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a very good question. I don't think I'm an entertainer. Um, I just see myself as uh, as a old basketball player who tried to play the game the right way and have fun and and found and tried to find a way to win. You know, it came up with like Sevy uh, in the in the you know. I don't know what year, but seventies or something. And, yep. and he was saying, I'm not going to go play that tournament unless you pay me. Right. Because people are coming to see me whether I win or not. That's right. And, you know, I mean, we were actually talking with, um, I think, uh, Jordan Speed's coach the other day okay. about how, um, and Johnny Vegas, you know, Johnny Vegas, yes. right? We were talking with him the other day about how, um, golfers are like, they're just like day laborers right. <laughs> at, at Home Depot. Right. And they're just like, I need work. I need to win to make money. And, you know, did you, do you ever think about that as in terms of like a professional athlete, uh, colleague kind of situation? Well, it's interesting you bring that up in the sense that, you know, when you look at golfers, they, they're out there for each putt means a dollar and sometimes uh, 70,000. Yes. And so for uh, a basketball player, they have a contract and it's guaranteed. And now their job is to be responsible to live up to that contract. And so, uh, there's different pressures. Um, some fail, some succeed. Um, but I think the ones who are consistent um, on tour or in the NBA are the ones that you wouldn't pay, you, you wouldn't mind to pay to come see play. Right. Just a real quick personal. I grew up in Jersey, so when when I found out you were available to do this, I was like, oh wow, that's cool. You know, great time. Yeah, well, it was really exciting to hear that. Um, 
unlike all the other sports teams that were based in New Jersey that were somehow called New York teams. Yeah. <laughs> like, can we talk about that? New York Giants, they're based in New Jersey. Well, everything's called New York. New York just overshadows New Jersey. I think New Jersey gets a bad rap. I think it's a beautiful place. Thank you. It really is. <laughs> Got some great golf, too. Where did you live in New Jersey? Uh, Saddle River. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You were out there. Oh, yeah. That's we, the country. Yeah, we were did in the country. Did you have a gun? No, no guns. <laughs> but we were in the country. It was, it was a great place. We loved living there. That's great. Um, what's the tattoo on your wrist here, if you don't mind? You don't have to answer if you don't uh, want to. Oh, this is my it? wife's name. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, uh, I can't read it, but. Porcelain. I got, I got, I got uh, my wife's name on my hand, too. Can <laughs> I get that removed? Um, what, uh, what, I know some people, you know, you may not feel this way, but what, um, do you think golf is a spiritual game? Uh, it can be. It can, I mean, when you say spiritual in the sense of relaxing, uh, it can be, and it could be frustrating. Um, but I, I, I look at golf as just a, a challenge that you're trying to, one, beat the course, and if you're a match player, you just try and beat your part, the, the opponent. Um, but it is a beautiful walk. Um, I enjoy being outside, so it can be spiritual in that way. How often do you, what format do you typically play when you play? Uh, we match play. Um, you prefer that? I, I like match play, but I have to be honest with you. I think stroke play needs to, to come back because when you do try to qualify for some of these uh, events, when you club championship and you have to qualify at stroke play, and those little two-footers become more like six-footers and you're like grinding and like and, yeah. and you end up missing one or two and that, that kind of ruins your whole day. So what are, you, are you struggling with anything in your golf game right now? Oh, the whole thing. No. Oh yeah. Come that, on. You don't, what's your handicap? You're like a seven. Six, a six. Yeah. A six. Seven, yeah. Seven. I'll be a seven. <laughs> <laughs> not with me. Not with me. You know, I'm not going to play you straight up. No, it's just the inconsistency of uh, understanding where the ball's going. Um, it's just it's just a hard game, you know, because you have to practice. Yeah. And if you don't practice, it 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 just becomes more frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. That is not how do you do you practice? I try at least once a week. It, it's just too hard. What's a, what's a typical day for you like now? Typical day, um, taking the kids to school, um, working out. Um, what's the workout routine? Let's talk. Let's get. Let's pretend like I'm the Rock. Oh, it, tell no, me well, everything. This will be real short. Um, <laughs> 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 so we go in. We get on the treadmill or bike ride for thirty minutes. Um, we try to get in three miles. Okay, and then uh, we'll go upstairs and get some leg work in and uh, call it a day. So, it, from start to finish, it could be no more than fifty minutes. So you're not looking for you're not doing like bench press, shoulder press, none I'm, of that. I'm not trying to get swole. No. <laughs> <laughs> Me on the other hand, I'm like eight toothpicks tied together <laughs> with a rubber band. <laughs> right, right now we're just trying to uh, maintain the, the leg strength and, uh, and and just try to do a little cardio. You know, I heard something the other day that women and maybe you can maybe your wife can comment on. This. <laughs> I heard women are more into dad bod than you know what I'm talking about. Dad oh, bod, that, the, the, like the, a little belly, little belly. They like that. Oh, do they? Like oh, a little Jonah we, Hill. We got we got that covered. Yeah, I got that covered. I, I think the that's belly. good. <laughs> but I don't think she likes the belly. So, <laughs> all <laughs> okay. right, well, to I, each I, their own. Um, what? Uh, what um why do you think i mean it's not just nba but a lot of professional sports a lot of the players end up playing golf and and not just like for fun but they end up getting very very i guess serious addicted yeah, right yeah it's addicting um because you can hit that that one shot that always brings you back and you always question like why can't i do this on a consistent basis um you know it's it it's very contagious you know, if you're a competitor and you feel like you, you want an opponent that's going to show up every day, well, the course shows up every day. It's just a matter of can you beat the course. And uh, a lot of times the course wins. And so um, for players, uh, when you see Steph Curry and a lot of, um, Ray Allen, a lot of guys, Vinny Del Negro, you got a lot of basketball players uh, present and past that are playing golf and they are playing at a very, very good rate too. And they're very good players. You uh, encourage a lot of uh, both, like I guess, fellow NBA players and younger players to play golf. Is that true? Yeah, I think it's a great game. Um, I remember playing in New Jersey, Kerry Kittles. Uh, I was in Miami going to the um, to the range to hit balls, and he asked, "Could he come along?" He came along, and he he got hooked. He was he the bug. He had the golf bug, 
And uh, I was a little nervous because I thought he was going to start focusing more on golf than basketball, but he, <laughs> he, he didn't. And, uh, and I was just happy to see someone who took it up. And, it, you know, as you know, as a beginner, it's hard to hit the ball um, and to hit it where you want. And so uh, he was frustrated at the beginning, but I just like that he continued to stay with it and got through it and is playing really good golf now. What, what is that like when you see someone get into golf? Because for, for me, I'm kind of like, oh, we can hang out now. Yeah, you know, I think it's, one, it's great because it's competitive and you can play different games, you know, handicaps come into play. Um, but it, I think it's just great because you can be outside and it's another way to be competitive uh, once your career is over in any sport that you play. Do you see a, like a, like a kind of a backwards benefit uh, for golf coming into the life of an athlete? Yeah, I think uh, discipline, uh, I think to be able to, uh, again, have a schedule too, you know, tea times, practice, um, you know, another way to uh, have conversations with people that you would never uh, normally meet at different golf courses, public or private. Do you like that kind of random nature of just running into someone on the tee? Yeah, you know, we, sometimes you run into different guys uh, that are pros, that are, are upcoming pros, uh, college kids. And so, uh, you know, it's, I think it's, it's a great way to meet and then follow uh, someone. Hey, I met him or her on the, on the range, and uh, they were really cool. Let me just see how they're playing this week. And so that, that's a lot of fun. You must have a lot of great. I mean, you know, the, 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 the type of people that Jason Kidd is meeting on the tee are probably different than me. <laughs> what, what, uh, you know, I'm just meeting like Bob from, you know, never left the state. What, what uh, which I love, by the way. But wh who would you say of all the people you've met and played golf with, you really just stuck out to you as an important memory in your life? Oh, um, let's see. Um, well, there's one that's always going to stick out, and and I had the opportunity to play golf with him was Bill Clinton, and uh, that was at Quaker Ridge in in New York, and so uh, what what a, it was just a foursome, it was just us on the course, and what it was you know surreal. I mean, did you, were you you were planning it? It was planned, and so uh, we you did background checks and everything. I don't know if they did background checks, but it had to be quick. And um, and so when we met at Quaker Ridge, went out and played. It was just you know, it was just the four of us and his security detail, and it was just uh, something I'll never forget. What did Clinton want to talk about? Um, he anything. Um, if you asked him a question, he always he was willing to answer. Um, but the one thing I thought he was, he was trying to give me a lesson on how to chip, and I thought that was the greatest thing that I have the president of the United States trying to teach me how to chip. And so, I, I, you know, that would be something I'll never forget. Um, that sounds so cool. <laughs> like, I just can't get over that. It was surreal. I, uh, yeah, I don't even know what I would do. Like, I don't even know what you, four hours, I don't know what you would do. You just smile the whole time, and you're like, Mr. President, great shot. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President. Um, and then so when you play golf, like, I mean, did you did you play a game with the president? Did you uh, beat him? No, didn't beat him. You, he beat you? Oh, yes, always. The president always wins. No, but is that serious? Wait, was yeah. he that good? He's good. I, president Clinton's uh, got golf game. and um, We got to get Clinton on the pod. He, he is as good he as they like come. sounds like he's an athlete. He is as good as they come, and you, he would be great on this show. What, uh, you know, I mean, because Clinton was like, you know, remember the thing he went to McDonald's or something like that? He was like really big into going to McDonald's. <laughs> did you ever, did you have like a diet that you were like obsessive with or was that not popular? No, you know, um, when I was playing grilled cheese sandwich and uh, chicken noodle soup and uh, two Sprites was something that I would have. That was my pregame. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that is incredibly specific. <laughs> I did it so many times I couldn't, I, you can't okay. forget it. Okay, hang on. First of all, I'm hungry. <laughs> Second of all, let's talk the grilled cheese. Like that can, there's like a lot of, there's, there's restaurants that just make grilled cheeses. Yeah. Well, back then it wasn't just one. I mean, so for me to get it from the hotel, especially on, that was my road. Um, I would always have that on the road. And uh, there's one place that in Utah, they made the best grilled cheese sandwiches. And so I was always happy to go to Utah. 
What's it called? I don't know the name of it. It was right across the street from the hotel. So, but I mean, so you didn't get like really, you weren't like sourdough and Munster cheese go. Like no, you didn't care. No, no. I would, sometimes I would mix it up, but I was big on wheat. I would like, you wheat. know, grilled cheese on wheat. That and would, then what kind of cheese? American. American. Yeah. The, the, the spread, the, the, the slight, what are those? Uh, oh, no, not the, uh, the, uh, when the, I added a plastic, but they just. Yeah, not yeah, that. No, no. I mean, you got a high end. The, we were the, like, yeah. Straight real, from the cow. Please. All right, and then the the chicken noodle soup. What do we what do we got there? Yeah, it was just you know chicken noodle soup. I uh, thought that was healthy, at right? The, and so that would kind of balance the uh, grilled cheese and in the um, and having the soup. And then I would have always have two sprites. And um, and if it was if I was going good, I would have some dessert and cheesecake. If I wasn't if, if pregame superstitious, I, if I played well, I would have cheesecake. If I didn't play well, then we would get off the cheesecake because that was. <laughs> Somehow slowing me down. <laughs> wait, wait, you would do cheesecake before the game? Yeah, in I the afternoon. This. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, we had we went to um, we went to a game with the nutritionist for the Clippers. Oh, <laughs> she loves golf, and and she was telling me how that the they there's a fad now in the NBA, peanut butter and jelly. Oh yeah, and then all the players are very picky about the ratio. Of a peanut butter to jelly or jelly they, to peanut butter? Well, yeah, I mean everybody likes it different, but you know there's a very they they almost have different sandwiches for everybody, wow. just on the ratio. Modern athletes are not the same. Um, yeah, I mean I can see the sandwich. I mean I can see that, um, but for me, if I'm playing well, then it's got to be the same way the next next game every time. Every time, golfers are like that. Have oh. you heard any stories? Uh, I haven't heard. No, I no. Apparently, Faldo would always clip his nails on a Monday. <laughs> like, I just think that's so wild. So by Sunday, they would be long? Is I guess that... so. I don't know. Like, I think he didn't want it to be too short. I don't know. And now I'm touching my nails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but then, but you, have you seen, like, you know, we're talking about, you know, diets and it's getting fancier yeah. out there. Do you see that changing much in the world of sport? Like, like the realm of, you know. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you're traveling with the therapist, yeah. swing coach, track man, you know, and in basketball and every other sport too. Yeah, you see now everything is you know dialed in. When you do have track man, you have a swing coach, mental coach, um, shooting coach, um, development coach, and so everything has kind of been broken down into different uh, parts. And so, um, and you can see that the athlete is playing at a very high rate in golf and in basketball. Um, and they're younger, and they're just picking up the game and making it look so easy. You have Russell, who's Russell Westbrook, who's averaging a triple double. Um, you see what Harden's he doing. He plays this. golf, right? Uh, I don't know if what Russ does. I hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, Harden's scoring like at will, and so it's just it's incredible to watch what the guys are doing in the league right now. And then in golf, it, there's so many young, talented golfers that are playing at a high level. Do you uh, do you ever think about, you know, what basketball has taught you most in your life? Yeah, I, you know, patience um, and discipline, um, and, and trying to have a routine to uh, stick to, no matter how good or how bad. The more that you can be consistent with your routine, the the more consistent you'll be in in life. All right, we're gonna go to a quick break, and then we're gonna get to everyone. We, we put it out online, Jay, for, for a lot of people to hit us up with some questions for you. All right. So we got a bunch of good questions back. We're going uh, to be right back, everybody. All right, everybody. Time to hear from maybe what's soon to become your best friend, Blue Chew. Okay, here's the deal. Do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? I'm not talking about going to the bathroom. I'm talking about increasing your performance and getting that extra confidence. You guessed it, on the driving range. Nope, I mean in bed. Seriously, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue, not the color that your balls were before you got this wonderful. Okay, moving on. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it's the real deal. I've tried it, and I'm afraid to say I couldn't leave the house for and it's the stuff that works, exclamation point. You can take them anytime, day or night. You can even eat them in a sandwich. I'm just kidding. I haven't actually looked into that. But the point is, even on a full stomach, because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. For example, after getting your sandwich at Chick-fil-A and you realize that maybe you were hungry for something else. 
That's the phone ringing, folks, but it's not Blue Chew calling me to tell me that this ad is unairable. It's someone else calling me to find out if I really use Blue Chew. Anyway, hang on, because here's the deal. This isn't just for guys with dysfunction. It's for any guy who wants extra function and to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Now, here is actually an interesting subject, because... Have I, do I realize that you can always be better at something that you're not the best? Tiger Woods, for example. All right, I'm going to leave that there. I'm not going to go any further. Anyway, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. That means that it doesn't say Blue Chew all over it. I'm going to get laid in four minutes. So there's no in-person doctor's visit and no waiting at the pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness unless you eat a lot of blue chew before the date. Okay, moving on. They're made in the USA, and since blue chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. That means you listening right now. Pull over the lawnmower, get out your pen and paper. You're going to go to bluechew.com and get your first shipment free. Free? Wait, hang on. Free? You're going to get your first... Jeez, I'm going to text this to everybody except... Mom and Dad, please skip past this. This is embarrassing. Anyway, you're going to get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code ERIK, E-R-I-K. Don't spell my name wrong this time, folks. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's blue, B-L-U-E, chew, C-H-E-W.com. Promo code ERIK, E-R-I-K, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, got a great read for you here. Stay tuned till the end of it because there is a massive deal at the end of this read. Precision Pro Golf, maker of the NX7 Series Rangefinder, is proud to bring you this spot on the Eric Anders Lang Show. The Eric Anders Lang Show is bringing golf to the masses, which is pretty rad. And Precision Pro is bringing accurate measurements to golfers at an affordable price. Their NX7 Series Rangefinder was named Best Value Golf Rangefinder by MyGolfSpy.com. You heard that right. Best Value Golf Rangefinder at MyGolfSpy.com. With all the bells and whistles that golfers love without the bloated price tag that other companies charge, it's the perfect rangefinder to add to your golf bag this year. So right now, Precision Pro is offering $20 off the NX7 Series Rangefinder. Go to PrecisionProGolf.com, PrecisionProGolf.com, and use coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K. Do not spell my name wrong this time, folks, for a free uh, lifetime battery replacement, wait, for $20 off, and then you also get free lifetime battery replacement service. Whoa. Dude, you know how many times my battery dies in my rangefinder where I'm just like, ugh, grind, give me a battery. They're so expensive. If you can actually get take advantage of that, you could eventually get a free rangefinder by the end of the time. Uh, yeah, they're not joking, folks. Lifetime battery replacement services. You can check out the awesome reviews on their website or on Amazon. Amazon, that's what's up. Uh, to read what other golfers are saying about Precision Pro Golf Rangefinders. Once again, go to precisionprogolf.com and use coupon code E-R-I-K, K as in awesome, for $20 off. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right, folks, you know my favorite golf shoe, don't you? I think you do. It's three-stripe life, y'all, and that means Adidas. Um... And so anyway, I just wanted to tell you that when I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Tour 360, obviously, and uh, they've made a huge update to the Tour 360, and uh, the two letters that it's concerned with are the letters X and T, okay? The Tour 360 XT changes the game, okay? It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round. By the way, a light golf shoe is what I'm all about a heavy there are some other companies making heavy golf shoes and i'm just like by the way i weigh enough there's enough going on i'm carrying a golf bag i'm carrying my team um tour xt changes the game it's lighter so your feet feel even better after a round and it still features that boost y'all do you know where boost comes from it and boost is cool because it only comes in black and white i don't know if you noticed that and actually they the guy who made boost like was going to bring it to some other you know they, they were shopping it around and everyone else said, no, Adidas was like, I'll take that boost, even though it's only black and white. And what did Adidas do with it? They made it awesome. I'm looking at boost right now on my feet. Boost on my feet. Uh, and it has an X-shaped traction system that gives you insane stability. Literally, it's not sane. It's literally crazy. Your feet will literally be like, I'm crazy. Best part, it comes in spikeless. Ooh, that's tight. The first spikeless ever in the history of the Tour 360. 
crazy comfortable and perfect for the course. Get your pair at adidas.com. Thank me later. Follow Adidas Golf for all the latest and greatest. That's all true statements right there. Check it out. Go support Adidas because they're a good company, good people. All right, later. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, we're back. Um, okay, so let's see. We got. I'm just going to throw a few questions out there, but I got some older questions that I wanted to ask that I didn't get Fine. to. Um Okay, G Hoyt thirteen favorite teammate. Oh, <clears throat> there's a couple, but Dirk Dirk is number one, and Kenya Martin's up there. Richard Jefferson and Jason Terry. All right, well, we'll stick to Dirk. So, so yeah. I mean, I like you got to say that. I figured he was going to be something tough like that. So, talk a little bit about like, did you and Dirk share any uh, discussions after the uh, after the championship? Did you did you what what, what was like the first connection that you had after that like like just a, it was surreal like once that horn went off and like when we it was you know in the locker room we're like there's no one else to play there's there's no more basketball like we were rookies we didn't know how to celebrate we didn't know what to do um we were just like in awe that we actually fulfilled a dream come true and that was to to win a championship and um you know we just sat there and just was like so there's no more games and you know that's it and uh he was like well so what do we do you know and so um but it was just you know he he had a heck of a run and he's a heck of a player but he's a better person you know and so I was just very lucky to be on his side that that year uh how old was he at the time uh I would say he was probably 32 33 okay that, that, he was just I mean he he was playing at a very high level right oh that's cool man um what okay here we go another another uh Dirk's question here uh what's smoother a Dirk Nowitzki fall away jumper or a Phil Mickelson bunker shot Ooh. I would have to I'm gonna say that that's a tie because Dirk <laughs> shoots it so well and Phil's short game and in, in bunker play is is insane so um i've seen both of them up close um so i'm gonna say that's a tie if that's if that's a fair answer fair enough uh you've called phil your swing coach which i'm pretty sure <laughs> you're the only person who can say that uh what's up with that what does he give you what's the best tip uh, phil mickelson ever gave you uh he, he, he i used to play with phil a lot when i was a player here and um what a great guy um and what a great golfer um, but he was just, uh, you know, I used to try cause he's left-handed. So I would stand on the opposite side and just try to copy what he would do. And, you know, it's unfortunate that his short game just never like connected to mine, <laughs> to mine. So, um, but he, you know, it's, a, it's about tempo. It's, you know, you're tall enough, your arc is long enough. You don't have to, you know, try to overpower the, the golf ball, just swing easy and, for whatever reason, that didn't never connect either. So, uh, but he he was as good as they come when you get a chance to play with them. Are you uh, are you are you playing for money like that? I, unfortunately, no. That, yeah, that, that 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 would I would I would be shaken on the first tee. <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, to some, to some that it's right up their alley. They 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 don't they don't even blink. And so, but he makes it fun. Um, Again, uh, I played with him and Candiotti. We take Candy I and I, Tom Candiotti. We took him on one time, uh, two on one, and he, he ended up beating us. Dang! Uh, best golfer in the NBA. Best golfer would be Steph. Yeah. Uh, present Steph, and then Ray Allen uh, pass is is probably right there with Steph, and and then Vinny Del Negro. <coughs> Um, okay, Tommy's on the bell. What attributes that made you a great basketball player do you think contribute to your golf game most? You already said that. Uh, Joseph Ellison, what does the ideal day for Jason Kidd look like? The ideal day? Um, it's 70 degrees in Scottsdale and uh, taking the kids to school, working out really hard, um, picking the kids up from school, and then uh, we have different sports activities that the kids are involved in. I like that family life. It's good. Easy. Yeah. And then sprinkle in some golf in there for sure. 
you like to play golf in the morning or at night? Oh, I love to play in the morning. And yeah. I, I'm I, first thing I love, I love it early. Um, how much? Oh, this is good, Ross Evans. How much of a golf culture is there in the NBA? Uh, it's big. It's it's grown from when I played. There was it was maybe a handful. Now you know, there's a lot of guys playing golf, which is is great. Yeah, it is cool to see it getting more and more like just not like cool necessarily, yeah. but just like more and more like just just like just like being utilized. Like yeah. it's a great game that we there's courses everywhere. There's clubs in every store. That's right, and. I think it's acceptable. Uh, you know, I think uh, guys have accepted golf and uh, and have taken it. And uh, again, when like Steph or Incadala are playing, um, you know, with the Warriors, I mean, Clay Thompson's playing. I think I've heard. And so they're they're the best team in the NBA. And you got quite a few guys playing golf at a very high level. So that's cool. Oh, that's interesting. You think there's a a connection there, maybe? Uh, I I think so. I mean, because golf always mentally will keep you sharp. Um, um, because you're trying to do different things. So maybe on a day off, um, you know, just to keep that edge, do you go out there and, and, you know, play a little, play nine holes or play 18 holes? And, and those guys are pretty competitive. So I can see those guys playing, you know, um, you know, keeping that, the juices flowing. Yeah. I've heard something about where, uh, surgeons were, um, kind of suggested that they play video games to, to keep up hand-eye coordination. Right. And then for, for golf, it's the same thing, you know, hand, eye, trying to tempo. It's just like shooting, you know, shooting the ball. You, you, you got to have a tempo. Or you can't just rush it because it will never go in. This is one of my favorite questions we got from Alexander Bartles. What's the favorite jersey style that you wore in your career? Ooh, good question. Um, I like the, oh, the old New Jersey Nets. Uh, I, I think it probably was the New York Nets jersey, but the old Dr. J jersey that we wore um, in New Jersey, that was one of my favorites. Um, I would say Phoenix Suns was another fun jersey to wear. Um, And then I have to go with the Dallas Mavericks. The ultimate 2011 jersey was pretty cool because we won the championship. Pretty pretty good jersey. Yeah, that was a a good one. Um, When you were were with the Suns, that's when you started playing a lot more golf. Is that right? That's when I started playing a lot more because it was on every corner. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, our coach, uh, Danny Ainge, liked to play golf too. So that that helped with being able to play more. Uh, So you played with Danny. Did you play with anyone else on the team? Rex Chapman. Uh, Steve Nash, uh, we would go out. And, uh, Steve and I would go out, um, especially at, at sunset. We would go play like three holes because we lived in this little um, golf community, and uh, we would take three clubs and and go play three holes. And and whoever won would have to buy dinner. That's so. Or whoever cool. lost, I'm sorry, whoever lost had to buy dinner. Right. So I was like, hey, you know what? Winner buys. I'll play you anytime. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's why I had to correct that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, okay. Um, and, and, you know, you got a lot of coaching experience. How do you motivate and inspire a locker room full of amazing talent? That's from my friend, Benny. Well, I think, uh, you know, the first thing is to be able to make sure that we're all focused on one, on the same thing, you know, and that's winning. And then the individual is trying to talk with the individual beforehand and, and finding out what they want to achieve, you know, as an individual. And, and then you bring it all together. And so, uh, to, to get guys, you know, thinking about winning, um, thinking about how they can help the team win, and then putting them in that position to be successful. Uh, this is a good question from Clayton. Uh, looking back, do you think you would rather have been a pro golfer? Uh, no, no, it's just, I would have never made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, uh, the one thing I would that, that would love to do is to caddy in a major. And come down on Sunday with with your horse, and um, and be able to have some kind of impact of helping the player, you know, win that win that major. That's so interesting. Well, because I, I also look at when you watch golf, I think the interaction of the caddy and player is so is so key to being successful. Um, because if you hit a bad shot, how can you get your horse? you know, to focus on the next shot and not what just happened. And when you look at a lot of the top players in the world, mentally strong, um, I, I think the caddy has some something to do with it. Maybe I'm wrong. 
No, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, you know, and, and what a cool bucket list thing. Oh, it would be like, it would be incredible to be able to be on that bag and to to maybe read the putt right, <laughs> <laughs> gave him the right club or like, hey, made made a decision that had an impact on that week to, to win that tournament and then to see, you know, the your player up there, you know, receiving the trophy and saying, man, I was I was a part of that. Have you ever thought, I mean, look at Stuart right now, have you ever thought of that? No, I'm I want to win. I want to win. <laughs> I've nev- it's never occurred to me. What a, what a really cool idea. Yeah, I mean, you're walking down the fairway on 18, and you you, you just won one of the four majors, and you, you're just like, this is like the ultimate. Like, your player's happy, you're happy, and it's just like, what a great team atmosphere that that could be. Yeah. Yeah, there re- it, it really is uh, completely exclusive to golf that relationship yeah you know you have a coach i guess right but you don't have someone that's really in there with you like that in the arena like you you know right there taking step for step with you and uh you know wanting you to be successful and so uh to have some part of cooling you down or or getting you fired up to to take that shot or you know being able to be helpful um we've covered a lot of these questions toughest opponent on the court Toughest opponent, I you know I think Gary Payton's probably one of the toughest that I had to go against. Um, Allen Iverson was the toughest to ever guard. He was just so fast and so talented, and so um, I I would put Kobe Bryant up there too. Just so talented, couldn't stop him. Just hope he missed. <laughs> and then hardest course you ever played? Ooh, hardest course. I, I would have to say Augusta was 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 hard. I mean. I was just like walking on cloud nine. I mean, I was afraid to take a divot. Um, really? Yeah, because you know, I was just didn't want to mess the course up. Um, but I, I would say the upper at Baltusrol is extremely hard because there is no straight putts off that off the hill, off the mountain. Um, I, the greens when they get the greens running at twelve, that, that that's almost impossible. So I would say Baltusrol is one of those, and then Cypress. That's, I think, one of the hardest. So I guess tell I need to know the Augusta story, I guess. So who are you playing with? Uh, what did you shoot? Tell me, you know. Well, I, I played. I was invited by the member and uh, went went uh, down and played. And so um, we. it was just, it's no real big story. I was just asked, you know, and I was like, oh, this is a bucket list. Let's check this off. We're going. Sick long, or not. How long ago? Uh, three years ago. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. And so, um, did it, you get did you get anything in the pro shop? Did you get any merch? Uh, it's funny because um, the head pro, I think Tony is the head pro at East Hampton Country Club, and so I know I've known I was a member at at East Hampton Country Club, and so I know Tony, and Tony was not in that day, but I did buy a couple things at the at the merch shop. What, at the, do you remember? Remember what you picked up? Uh, belt, belt, sweater. Uh, a sweater for sure, and then I think it was um, overnight kit because now that's my overnight kit. Wherever I go, I have. You my... have an Augusta National overnight kit? Yeah, oh, <laughs> I need to go back. <laughs> Look, if anyone is on the podcast listening and you're gonna go play Augusta, get me an overnight kit because I didn't get that. Yeah, that's I got that. So that's my overnight kit. Uh, to what the... is it? Can you send me a photo later? I will send you. What, a what's phone. in it? Oh, toothpaste that I hope that doesn't never bust, so it ruins the bag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> deodorant and a toothbrush that's about it and a little bag it's just a little yeah a little do- and a little, it says augusta national it has the logo yeah. dang i used to have the price tag still on i think it fell off because i just never wanted to like like take it off what is that why are we so obsessed with this i don't i don't know it's because we are we are very very i mean you're talking about the best and so uh when you talk about augusta you get all excited did you ever have that in the NBA when you were playing? Were you like, I'm going to go play here, like 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 Celtics or something like that? Or yeah, you know, I love playing. You know, the Celtics, you know, just the traditional. The you know, we talk about the Knicks, the Celtics, the Lakers, um, the Seventy Sixers, just the historic franchises. Whenever you went into the the building, especially the old buildings, just because Larry Bird was there, Dr. J was there, Magic, you know, Kareem, you know, it's just the mystique of that. Um, arena and you know being able to go to New York as a net um, because we were always like little kids compared to the to the big kids and so to go in there and beat them 
was you know you you wanted to do that on their floor in that in that arena yeah yeah the story of the underdog is huge in in, in all sport really that's right yeah that's great and especially being in new jersey you're always an underdog so can't help it you automatically so that was that was the cool thing to go do in new york um what would you say as well we kind of talked about that um oh do your kids play uh no they, not yet or just never not not even interested no not yet they haven't they're not interested right now hopefully uh as they get older hole in one have had one okay good where, uh, where and when um ozaki um country club i, I would say where ozaki and milwaukee oh. ozaki country club in milwaukee that would be three years ago she keeps track of the hole in one well she was there <laughs> <laughs> did it what what club what how long did it go in it, I mean, was, it, it was uh three uh, it was a par three um i would say it was about 180 okay i mean are you i mean that's got to be a huge moment in your life right oh man i, I still have the ball and flag do I, you yeah i for whatever reason i can't I, I can't throw it away you're you're into keepsakes oh for sure especially when something good happens you got to keep it what do you got in the house, uh, basketball related? Uh, the, probably um, the two jerseys that were signed by Bill Russell. Whoa! Yeah, USF uh, college jersey, and then also his um, Boston Celtics jersey. Wow, that's that's it, huh? Uh, that would say that that's the, the those are that's as good as it gets because that's royalty when you talk about Bill Russell. What did uh, what did he teach you? Uh, I mean, it taught about winning, what it meant to win, um, how to win, um, and then being, you know, persistent, you know, keep working. Um, he said, you know, he set the tone for all, all of us to be able to be winners and successful at the game of basketball. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what, uh, what um, I guess, do you play with Barkley? You ever play with Charles? Uh, I played with Barkley when I uh, a long, long time ago. Seems like a difficult golf partner. Um, no, no, actually, he's not a bad golf partner um, <laughs> because he loves to talk. He's he's very funny, and he's a great, great person. And and I don't know whatever happened to his golf swing, but besides that, if you take that out of the equation, he's he's a list. He's as good as they come. Because it because it's I can't tell if he's joking or not. It's a real golf swing. Um, there's no stunt double, and so um, I think uh, he's perfected it, and uh, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. But is he, is he joking? I mean, like, like, is it just like he doesn't want to take it seriously? No, he's not joking. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was joking um, because I just hate to see him going through this, and it's been, you know, for some time now. But before this, he was, you know, a single-digit, you know, player. Wait, wait, wait. So he had a different swing that was like a natural golf swing. Yeah, natural golf swing. Yeah. Him and MJ would play all the time, and he had a you know he had a real real nice swing. So it's like a yip. It it's a um, it's uh, I don't know if that's what you want to call it, but the uh, a hitch. A hitch. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess I ask I ask people usually to end the podcast with you know maybe just freestyle a little letter to golf. Letter to golf. Um, can you please be nice and let me win one time? That's all. I'm just asking to let me beat you one time. And uh, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> Dude, thanks for your time, Jason. I, I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks a lot for having me.